you cannot disconnect the human element um, from the world of construction because those those are the innovators and the innovators are the people that are sitting on the on the job or uh, in the on the manufacturing floor watching the process over and over again going man we make that change Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Chip Parsley, Director of Prefabrication Solutions at Pointers. Chip is involved in prefabrication projects from conception to completion and brings a broad depth of industry knowledge while seamlessly integrating new and innovative building techniques into standard industry best practices. Welcome to the show, Chip. Thank you very much, Todd. Glad to be here. Yeah. So let's start with how you got into the construction industry. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, in 1995, I was 25 um, and I was basically going from job to job and just kind of messing around. I wanted to sell something always. I've always wanted to be a salesman of some sort. And so dad was like, hey, have you ever thought of getting into the sheet metal trade? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, you know, it'd be a good thing for you to do because it would be a trade. It would be some skill that you would have, you could um, bank on, you could rely on. And, you know, um, so why don't you think about it? So I did and I thought, you know what, let's let's go a different direction. I, I'd done sales for a long time. I was 25, uh, 24, 25. And so he's like, so I'm like, you know what, let's go ahead and do this. So I got into the trade when I was 25. Yeah. And uh, I've been in the sheet metal workers trade. I was then from 95 to about 2008. Um, uh, and in the sheet metal workers trade, I have been an apprentice. I've been a journeyman. I've been a project manager. I've been a estimator. I've been business development. Um, and I've been the president of a company and that company was mine. And so I owned my own sheet metal shop for about two and a half years. And in 2005, I came to Pointer. Uh, really because of the depth of, um, you know, uh, scope of what they did. They, um, they were a bigger company. Uh, my company was pretty small and the partner I had and I were, you know, we're okay, but things weren't going so great. And so I just decided to make a step to a larger sheet metal shop. So I went to that and uh, basically became estimator, project manager, and business development for Pointer um, and spent until mm, now really being in the industry there and so then uh in the last in 2018 um, joseph came to me and said hey i want you to lead up um a new a new thing we're going to do we're going to add 50,000 square feet to the building uh which harry had 100,000 square feet or about 110 and uh, he said um and i want to uh get into prefabrication and I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He goes, I think it's the next thing. I think it's the next thing that's going to happen. He goes, if you'd be interested in kind of hitting that up and uh, driving that, he goes, I'd like to put you in charge of it. So that is kind of, you know, where I went. So really when I turned, when I got into the trade in, at 25 to up to about now, I'd always been dedicated to some kind of HVAC or sheet metal work. And in 2020, I, we stepped out and, um, started a sheet metal, I mean, a prefabrication business. And so, and I've been actually since uh, September of 2020, I've been in a master's program at Stonepile College for prefabrication and modular construction, which has been a huge help because as I've gone out and uh, tried to teach everybody about modular construction and prefabrication, I also on the back end 
was learning much more about the overall scope of general construction. Uh, my my really my background and my training had always been in some kind of sheet metal, and so I, there was a, I didn't have the knowledge really in foundations, concrete. Um, drywall studs. I mean, all those general construction materials that I just had not put my hand on yet. And so um, with the last year and a half, uh, I've done that. And I've, I've got one more class left. I got to write a thesis. And my thesis is how I'm going to improve the construction industry. And so I've got that to do over the next four months, and then I'll be finished and with a master's degree in modular um, construction, which is which is going to be great. I mean, it's, it's going to be uh, something really I'm really proud of you know spending the time doing that so um, that kind of brings us to me and where I'm at today yeah that's awesome there's uh, that's a cool journey I always love hearing people's backgrounds into it yeah uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm a, actually that... I'm a second I'm a second generation sheet metal worker and my son just started so he's third generation so that's awesome British, yeah we're keeping the nice. tradition going so was your dad a sheet metal worker too is that why he, he suggested the career he was <laughs> You know, like I said, I was 25 when he said something to me about it. And I'm kind of like, you know, uh, you could have said something when I was 18, yeah. <laughs> 20. I mean, you know, we could have we could have started this a lot earlier. <laughs> but uh, it's funny because I always I always said, oh, I'll never work with my hands. I, I'm not a I'm not a manual labor type of person. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in I would be more on the sales side of it. But yeah. those five years I spent learning the trade, those five years I spent understanding how to build things and being on the construction site, um, no better training, no better training. And so that's when my son, you know, came to me and said he was thinking about either going to college or, you know, getting in the trade. I, I said, encouraged him to do the trade if he didn't want to do college. I said, because it's a, it's a great place to learn. And then what I've done with it, I mean, I started as an apprentice. And I've sat in every single seat possible. And now having the opportunity to sit in this seat with modular construction is, wow, I mean, I just couldn't ask for anything more. It's, it's so exciting. And I really you know, appreciate Pointer and Joseph uh, giving me this opportunity to lead this. And so it's been, it's been really cool. Even though it's been, it's been tough <laughs> those last two years because uh, the market that we're trying to build is the market that's been most affected uh, by the current pandemic. So. Uh, it's been a struggle, but um, we've captured some projects, which we're going to talk about. And so, um, you know, things are looking up and uh, it's been a really cool journey. And, and I had to learn a lot, but I've, I've done it in a quick fashion and I uh, knew I could do it. And that's why, you know, that's why he put me in charge of this because he knew I could adapt. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's one of the cool things about the construction industry and your story is evidence of this is the options that exists within the industry. You know, you start in coming in in one segment of it, but you can adapt and, and shift and do so many different things throughout yeah. the course of a career in the construction industry that that other industries they don't get that flexibility as much. Yeah, and you and you and I got the opportunity to move into the office, which I always wanted to do, and so those are things. If you want, you can go get them, and that's the thing that's not unattainable. Uh, you're not pigeonholed into any position. Uh, if you want it and you talk to the people uh, and tell people you want it and prove that you can do it, you'll mm -hmm. get the opportunity because people you're, you know, I know Pointer, we promote from the end a lot because sheet metal is a unique position and coming out of college with a degree won't necessarily prepare you for what you've got to do in the sheet metal industry. So um, it's better to bring those people in from the field, even though you're robbing yourself of a foreman who may be a really good one. 
uh, you're gaining a really good project manager. So, uh, you know, you, you try to replace those foremen as, as quickly as you can. So with the people, you know, coming up through the trade, so. Hey, innovators, is there a way to prepare your company for successful implementation of technological innovation? After over 115 episodes talking with some of the best minds in the construction industry, the answer is a resounding yes. There are building blocks that you can put into place that will form the foundation for your company to successfully implement technology. I have compiled my thoughts from those conversations into a new ebook simply titled Foundational Building Blocks for Successful Tech Adoption. You can download the ebook for free at our website, bridgingthegappod.com. After you have, I'd love to hear your feedback. As always, keep innovating. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dive into modular. A, kind of how would you define modular construction? And then what's the biggest kind of misconception that people have in the industry about modular? That's two questions. I mean, you don't want to talk for the next 20 minutes, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to set you up. You know, bro, you did, right? <laughs> You're just going to sit there and nod for the next 20 that's minutes. That's right. That's right. Make my job um, easy on me. <laughs> there you go. So uh, modular construction to me is uh, there's really three phases to it. There's single trade prefabrication, which Pointer does on a daily basis all the time. We're making, you know, uh, basically a puzzle. If you've ever seen a drawing of an HVAC drawing, it's a bunch of fittings, elbows, transitions, straight pieces, whatever it is, and it all gets sent out in you know a thousand pieces or five hundred pieces, however many it takes. And so, what we try to do in single tray prefabrication is we try to put an elbow on the end of a straight piece of duct, right? Or we try to put four joints together and make it twenty feet rather than hanging five foot at a time. And so, we're always looking for opportunities to build in larger chunks. So instead of um, shipping out a thousand pieces, you're going to ship out maybe 750. Well, that's all labor in the field and labor in the field is the most expensive. It's the most subject to um, hostile environments. It's, it's, it's on a ladder, right? It's 20 feet in the air, 30 feet in the air. Hell, we've hung dunk 80 feet in the air. And so it's always subject to a lot of variables. Whereas in a shop, you're five foot off the ground. You're more of control. You have controlled uh, electronics. You have controlled um, environment and you can perform better. So single trade prefabrication is what Pointer does. And really mechanicals do it. Uh, HVAC companies do it. Um, electrical companies do it. They all do that single trade where they'll build their components uh, in their own shop for their own benefit in a controlled environment as much as possible. So that's single trade prefabrication. Then you have multi-trade prefabrication. Multi-trade prefabrication is when you're going to build a rack, and the most and the best place for this application is a hospital. You're going to have uh, multiple services that are going down a um, corridor that has to be a fire-rated corridor, and you're going to have multiple trades going. You have the plumber, you're going to have the, uh, the communications, you're going to have electrical, you're going to have HVAC, you're going to have all the fire protection, all that going through this one corridor, and instead of sticking six or seven different trades and people in that corridor at one time trying to create all that stuff after the drywall contractor seals up that fire rated um, enclosure you're going to do that all in the shop and you're going to and you're going to have all you're going to build it in 20 foot sections 
and you're going to have all the all the um, different trades and subcontractors come in and put their equipment or their materials on a rack. Then you're going to ship it out in 20 foot sections and you're going to put it up uh, and it can be you can either go up in the corridor where the corridor is already finished or you could make it the corridor. So you're going to have drywall up both sides and you're going to make that the corridor and you're going to stick it right up against the ceiling and it's going to be your fire ready corridor and then all the drywall contractor has to do is go from the bottom cord of that piece to the floor and now you have your um, you have a finished MEP and you have the finished fire rated um, corridor and then you get the walls to finish and now you're all finished and you're doing that in 20 foot sections um, uh, before the project's you know really really complete it still has to be pretty open so you can move those sections through but you're you're putting up lots of finished product in a, in a quick amount of time. I mean, you could you could finish two or three floors in in a week, uh, depending on how you how you schedule it out. So that's multi trade prefabrication. Again, doing things offsite. That's what modular construction is: is removing that chunk from the from the uh, job site and moving it into a controlled uh, factory or environment. The last piece is volumetric modular construction. That's when you're building full components like a restroom. You're gonna build 300 restrooms inside a, uh, inside a hotel. You're gonna build 300 restrooms or lab spaces in a hospital. Um, you're gonna build um, complete bedrooms and you're gonna stack them, right? You're gonna stack them up and make a 24 story tower, which they've already done uh, in New York. Right. Uh, they have a, they have a, they have a 24 story or 25 story tower that they did in there. Um, they did it in New Jersey, right next to the Barclays Center, and they were they was were um, individual uh, steel modules that they put in, and so and they do it in, over in Asia in Europe all the time. And they in Asia they do uh, they make them out of concrete, and so those are fully furnished, fully finished pieces that you stack to build your building. Mm -hmm. So that would be volumetric, and it's again anything from a full building to just pieces and parts that go into structures. Yeah. So that's modular construction. That's, that's how I see it. And that's, I think how the most of the industry, and that's kind of how it's parsed up uh, amongst people. And um, single trade, multi-trade, I think has been done more. Uh, volumetric is the piece that I think America, North America is trying to put their head around and, and build the industry. Because what we have currently is a, um, a lack of manufacturers. Right, sure. Sure. So if you if you had all the contractors and engineers, designers, owners, and everybody going, hey, we're all in on volumetric modular manufacturing. We want to do this a lot. And they start putting a bit, they would find quickly that there is not enough bandwidth within the industry to support uh, all the all the all the work that could be done uh, this way. And so that's the other piece. We got to build that infrastructure. Yeah. Well, it's also a different mindset in trying to shift people's. Uh, perception of, of how you go about doing a job. Yeah, it's been two years trying to shift, <laughs> shift a mindset. And, and I'm, I'm gaining some traction. I really am. Um, but, you know, Indiana is in the Midwest is kind of always that last piece. So you got the East Coast and the West Coast and they're ahead of it. And it kind of migrates itself to the to the intercoastal in the, in the uh, Midwest. And so when I went out two years ago and started knocking on doors and talking about it, everybody heard about it, everybody knew about it, but nobody had ever designed it. Nobody had ever really done it. Yeah. And so I'm trying to build an industry and getting people on board with things that we at that point, when I first started in January and February of last in 2020, we had never done it. Uh, so um, 
yeah, it was, it was a big hurdle because it was like, Hey, we can do it. We've got the space for it. We know how to do it. Uh, but you got to find somebody to be your first customer and give you a chance. Right. So what misconceptions have you uh, been running into through that? Yeah. So the standard misconceptions about modular or volumetric, um, and really, cause that's what we're going to talk about the single trade and the multi-trade. I mean, those are, that, those are components, but we're, everybody's doing that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not really not, that's not, that's nothing new. That's fine. And it, that's all done with normal stuff. When you get to volumetric, now you have to bump up against that. Um, people consider uh, it cheap because people mm-hmm. think modular mobile home. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could put your, you could put your fist through a, the four inches thick i mean it's really light construction and it's light because it's mobile right i mean they want to move it but it's big and so they can't make it real heavy so we're fighting the idea that it's cheap it's inferior materials um it's not permanent and that it's um it's it can't be high design uh that there's no there's no architectural value to it it's just a bunch of boxes right well that's none of that is true um, if, and, and I was, and I broke this down specifically before I had to, um, when you go, when you get done with this, go to look up the Rockefeller university campus expansion. It was okay. done in 2018 and, uh, they built 19, um, I don't know how heavy they were. They were really heavy modules that they shipped down the East river. And then they lifted them in place for full expansion 300 feet long along the East Coast to expand the campus. And it's a full research facility, three stories tall. There's nothing cheap about this. Yeah. It is all structural steel and it's amazing what they did. And you go look it up because it really is amazing. But what they did is they cut like $50 million out of the job. They're working in New York City over top of the FDR and they would have had to shut down the highway uh, in this main main thoroughfare for uh, months, and that that just wasn't going to happen. Right. So this was a huge benefit in time and money that was saved. And Turner did it. Turner Construction did it with the university, with the help of the uh, with the architect and engineer. So the misconception is this is somehow cheap construction. This is not. Uh, mm-hmm. This is commercial grade, heavy duty manufacturing construction. Um, there are, there are multiple manufacturers out there that are using steel. Um, even the wood products that they're, they're building, they're not cheap either. And they're not, they're not, um, they're not poor quality. Uh, in the West Coast, when you've got you know, um, lack of labor, and then you've got tight labor, you have expensive labor, then you've got property that's really expensive, and you're trying to build in San Francisco or, or the Monterey Valley or someplace there where you have very limited space to... Um, create a construction area, bringing these modules in, they're bringing these modules in that are 16 feet wide and 70 and 80 feet long that create two hotel rooms at once. And so you're just stacking them two at a time and even has the corridor built in between. So you got two modules on either side with the corridor in the middle and they just stack those down and they can build a whole building in just um, in a week or two. And they're bringing them down from Idaho so they'll ship stuff down from Idaho down to, into San Francisco and in and, and California because it's less expensive to build it and ship it than it is to build it in place. Create a common data environment for your team with 360 Sync. 360 Sync automatically transfers, organize, and archives project files across applications, 
It is the only way to automatically sync project files between your server, Procore, BIM360, Bluebeam, or any other platform you use. 360 Sync is the only document management system designed by and for the AEC industry. Users have automatically transferred over 1 million files and over 2 million syncs. Set it and forget it. Create a common data environment for your team today using 360 Sync. Visit asti.com slash 360 Sync for more information. Yeah, I believe that. So how do you then kind of combat those misconceptions by sharing or better sharing the, the, the practical success stories that exist in modular. So what I do is since I don't really have a lot of my own that I can share, um, I'm a big advocate of making sure I'm, when I find something that's very interesting in the modular world, I share it and I, and I push it out there on the LinkedIn or um, however I connect to people. And I, you know, or when I even have a conversation when I bring a client in and they want to talk about modular construction, I'll bring in and I'll pull up the video of um, the, like the Rockefeller University and say, hey, look, this is what we can do. Um, yeah. You know, yes, I'm telling you that I have not done that and I didn't do that, but I'm telling you, this is the level of modular construction that we can do. We can we can truly build complete buildings and ship them across the country, uh, you know, from, well, the one building that was built in New York that's 24 stories tall, I think it's called the AC, an AC Motel, I think is what it's called, Hotel. I can't remember exactly, but anyhow, they built all those modules over in um, Poland, shipped them across the country, across the Atlantic Ocean, wow. and, 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 and put them in New York. And so, are you kidding me? I mean, That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, if it's less expensive to build it and ship it across the ocean and then stack them in New York, I mean, you know there's some advantages here. And it's not yeah. cheap. And you're, if you're going to build a 25-story building out of modules, or let's call them Legos, right? They can't be cheap and inexpensive and flimsy pieces. Those are that's right. a 24 that's story. 30. <laughs> yeah, that's a 25-story building. In um in New York and I mean you know the building codes in New York that's pretty stringent so and, yeah um, so I, I guess that's the way you share success stories of projects that have already been completed here and people that have done it and you say hey look they can do it and um, you know I can bring the knowledge and I can bring the and I can bring the um, the industry and I can bring the expertise to um, to build those type of buildings for you. And if you got a 14 month project, I can do it for you in eight months. How's that sound? Right. Like, Whoa, wait a minute. Really? Compelling. Yeah. When I can put the hands, I can put the keys in the hand of a person who has a hotel or a hospital um, or somebody who has a lab um, or, and, you know, and, and, and needs to uh, start doing their process in it or anything uh, quickly. Uh, those are interesting conversations and that'll, that'll get someone's attention. Um, it is, two to three percent more expensive um, and I only say that currently it's like that because you don't have a company that is vertically integrated um, to really bring all the necessary uh, disciplines in to um, create the um, true modular manufacturer what you have and like what I currently do is I bring subcontractors in and I'll subcontract out the engineering uh, at this point right now, because they haven't built the infrastructure yet internally to do things stem to stern. A company that just recently went out of business was Katera. 
Right. And they tried to vertically integrate um, the construction industry and big old, you know, uh, mother construction slapped them down and said, no, you will not. <laughs> <laughs> you understand we've been doing it this way for thousands and thousands of years. What do you think you're going to do? Come in here with a new idea and, get, and just make it happen? That ain't going to work. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would push back some, though, in that the two or three percent more expensive because if you're getting it if you're taking the project from 14 months to 18 months or eight months and you're getting them in there earlier they're able to start making money off of right. that building a whole lot earlier and so you're, they're picking up that two to three yep. percent pretty quickly yep. even if the construction cost mm -hmm. the physical cost is is two to three percent on the, the front side so they make right it up pretty quick now, yeah right now todd it is um just a tad bit more. And the thing is, the fact it's just a tad more expensive tells you that it's it's not really that more expensive. Uh, it's really just the fact that we we don't really have any true, really good manufacturers that can really take that two and three percent and get rid of it. Because like yeah. you said, you're exactly right. Uh, two or three percent is worth it to get your project done five or six months faster. Yeah, Every owner will tell you that. And that's the owner's requests. I want it higher quality. I want it faster. And I want it better. And so yeah. they're asking, they're asking the construction world to do that. And the construction world is a model T, right? It's an yeah. old machine. It's an old machine that, I mean, we're still building buildings like we build them, you know, back when the Romans were around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. We're still shipping a bunch of material to a site and building a one-off project every single time. Right. For some of these large commercial, yeah, every, everything's a unicorn. I mean, the residential industry has really figured it out because they have panelized systems and and they'll give you four or five different models, and so they start streamlining and manufacturing. And so, but the commercial industry, we don't, which we should. A yeah. Hospital, we're building a hospital in downtown Indianapolis. It's going to have like five or six hundred restrooms, um, and they are seriously, they are they're dedicated to prefabricating those because nice. that's going to remove maybe five or 600 people from the job site. The job site, it's a 2 million square foot hospital. It's going to have 2,500 people working on that site at any given day. Wow. And so the, the logistics of just getting that many people in downtown Indianapolis, where are you going to park them? Where are you going to feed them? I right. mean, daily basis, that's crazy. So they want to find a way to move as much of that work offsite so that they can, you know, decongest their area. And then you talk about universities. I mean, they would love to do more of this offsite so they don't have construction workers come to their sites. You don't have a lot of travelers that are coming in that are not familiar with the area or who, you know, could possibly uh, do nefarious things on the campus. So you're eliminating, you know, strange travelers coming into your university. That yeah. might be a benefit to you. And I mean, so all these these hidden benefits, right? They're not out there. It's, it's not, you know, well, you save real dollars. Well, how about we just eliminate 200 people coming to your campus every day? How's that sound? Well, that's right. like a good idea. Less traffic, less congestion, less, less strangers, less all those things. So yeah, a lot of extra added benefits there. Yeah. So we, we and I try to highlight those. I absolutely do. I try to highlight those, but uh, as far as myths, I mean, um, like I said, we, we, and I think we're getting past, that it's a cheap build or anything of that nature. I mean, I'm, I'm presenting it in such a fashion that I'm not talking about using different components. But here's the other thing too. 
um, because I know you have a question about innovation later and I'm just going to jump to it right now. Um, <laughs> we need to figure out how to use different type of components mm -hmm. uh, and not build uh, a modular structure the same way you build it if it was on site. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, so unpack that a bit more for me. So here you go. So it's as simple as a wall construction. A wall construction has seven, eight layers. So you got a stud, then you've got insulation inside that stud, and then you're going to have some kind of um, OSB and you know, plywood, and then a, a wall covering, and then you're going to have insulation, and you're going to have, um, you know, some, I mean, you might have seven or eight layers to meld up that wall to make it a, a good insulated, sturdy wall. Well, I'm going to build something and I'm going to use an insulated metal panel. It's, you know, it's six inches thick and it's an R48. Boom. And I, I'm going to put one thing up and that creates my entire exterior. Instead of having to go around the building eight times and putting up different layers of stuff, I'm going to do it once. That's mm -hmm. faster. That, and it's still getting the same R value. It's still going to make the building airtight. And so we got to figure out how to use different components um, to fast quicken the pace of a project, but then also innovate to say, how can we make structures differently? You know, let's let's really start thinking about pushing the product side of it. And um, yeah, okay, so the wall that you build in seven different layers ends up being, you know, I don't know, maybe it costs $12 or $15 or $16 a square foot. And the one wall costs, um, 25 or $30 a square foot. You say, well, yeah, the wall is twice as expensive. Yeah, but you only had to put it up once. Whereas you, the other wall, you had eight layers. How much right. labor is that going around eight times to put that stuff on? So now it's it's labor saving, right? Plus it's sure. easier. Plus it's sure. easier. And uh, you know, it makes the construction process easier. Um, not saying I want dumb people working in the industry, but it's it makes it easier and faster for somebody to install. If it's not as complex and it's simpler for them to install, it makes them faster, it makes them more efficient, right? Right, well, you're streamlining the processes and you're, you're taking some of the, the complexity, the needless complexity out of it so that you can focus more on the areas that you need it more complex and to kind of map it through. And just, I think it allows you to, to shift and focus where is needed instead of, wasting time on on stuff that could be just a whole lot more efficient <laughs> the bridging the gap podcast is brought to you by applied software with solutions for the modern project applied software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real world expert consultants their comprehensive array of solutions for aec mep and manufacturing has a singular focus helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, so it's, it's not just saying, okay, Chip, we're gonna just you know, build a building in, in, the, in the shop and take, it, take everything off there, but we're gonna build the same way in the shop as we would on this on thing. It's let's move it into the shop and then let's think about ways to build it that are already faster and more efficient. We're already right. in making it better by bringing it into the shop where it's a controlled environment. Then let's use products that will make it 
uh, even faster when we move it into a better into a controlled environment. So let's look at different type of products that we're going to use. And, and there are innovative products out there right now that people are using. Um, like for instance, uh, there's, a, there's a company called um, AcornVac and they've created and they've built a system that allows you to eliminate all of the plumbing that you would need under floor. So it no longer works on gravity, it works on suction. And you know this, when you go on an airplane and you hit that button and you know that suction that goes down, yep. same concept. So on every single floor, they put a pump system with tanks and they, you hit that button and it sucks it down, pulls it and guess what? It doesn't go under the floor. It goes up and it goes overhead and then drops it someplace else. So you've eliminated all your floor penetrations. All you need is one, maybe two in a hospital and you can service all your restrooms. Plus huh. it won't leak. If there's a pinhole or a hole in the pipe, it's under negative, it's under negative pressure. The water can't get out. So even if you have a leak, it's still going to pull. It's just going to, you're going to lose pressure, but that'd be yeah. the only thing you do. You actually wouldn't have a leak. Then if you actually have a problem in a normal plumbing situation, you've got to go downstairs and disrupt whoever's downstairs to fix the plumbing, right? Right. Not anymore. It's all on the same floor. So these kind of innovative ideas and thoughts and uh, materials and uh, equipment uh, need to be brought into the construction industry because we're already using it. We're using it on an airplane. Well, this company just said, hey, we could probably use this in a building. And you absolutely can. Yeah. Absolutely. Can. And, the, and the nice thing about this uh, acorn back thing is that it makes things truly modular. If I didn't have to worry about any underground plumbing, I could send a module down. And then if I didn't like it there, I could pick it up and leave it. And I don't have any underground plumbing to worry about other than one plumbing connection to the main sanitary to leave the building. Yeah. Now it's truly modular and, and I don't have anything and I could make it a flat bottom. It goes onto a truck and goes to its next location. And that's the other thing. If people don't like where their building's at or it doesn't work, they can go to another place. Starbucks is doing this. Starbucks plops down a modular building and lets it sit there for about six months, sees how the market is, deciding whether they're going to build a permanent structure or not. Huh, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a great way to do it. Yeah, and Chick Fil A, Chick Fil A is doing the same thing. They're having their stores, they're having their stores built modularly because they need to get to market faster. Yeah, they need to. They're everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere, and they want to be more everywhere, right? Yeah, Chick Fil A store will do four million dollars a month in revenue. The next closest one is McDonald's, and they're doing a little over two. I believe it. So Chick Fil A gets a lot of my money. <laughs> <laughs> they, they get mine too. My kids love Chick-fil-A. They've had to remake, they've had to revamp all the drive-throughs because they've had to make them all double lanes. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's so always back fast, there. How fast can they get to market, right? This is a classic example of, man, we could put a store up fast. We can get into that market and we can be start clicking off that $4 million uh, a month in no time at all. Instead of taking 12 months to get to revenue, it takes us six. Owners yeah. love this. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the, in your mind, what's the endpoint of modular? And maybe it's, it's tying back into um, what, what you brought up with what you're working on and for your master's on the, how are you going to improve the construction industry? So, you know, um, it, it's it, construction is, in my opinion, it's an old 
it's an old machine that has just they've just added pieces onto it right you just you're they're improving it incrementally as we move along and you know with the innovation of cad and now we're drawing everything in in 3d right mm -hmm. and you could actually build your whole building inside the computer and um and you can get as detailed as you want i mean we found that it's you can get down, you know, to the very, very detail. And when you're building modular, you have to, you have to have those details. And that's one thing about that, that to be true. Um, but innovating, I think you need to innovate the process of making it less expensive. Um, construction, fortunately, has gotten more expensive and less efficient. <laughs> and that makes no sense. I mean, you would think that we would have gotten more efficient, but we haven't because we haven't innovated in how we do things. And so my idea to innovate would be two things. One, I think you have to seriously look at, and it's, it's a government thing, and it's a, it, it has to go through, uh, you know, laws and things of like that to be changed, but changing the bid process uh, instead of ever doing a low bid type application. It's, it's, it's a horrible idea. So why would you ever buy construction on simply, well, who can give me the dirt lowest price? Because that's who I want to use. It's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's a bad way of doing things. And so, and that's, that's a, that's an industry and that's a, that's a big high level 30,000 feet, you know, type thing that needs to be, I, in my opinion, needs to be fixed. But when we get down uh, into the more nitty gritty of things, uh, I would definitely try to innovate the products you use to, um, like I said before, innovate those products that you use to build the building. It's taking those products that maybe are already in the industry and just maybe using them a little different. It's trying to turn construction into more manufacturing and gain those efficiencies that manufacturing has already seen in the construction industry. Right. Having well, I think be, learning from other industries like manufacturing on how they handled their transformation and and what do they do to, to streamline things, I think that's a super valuable thing for the construction industry to do a little soul searching on and, and get those, bring those efficiency gains from other industries into construction. I believe this is the next step of construction. And, and I also believe it's the next step of construction because it creates a nicer environment, a nicer job, right? Mm -hmm. My son comes into the construction industry and he's working in the shop. And I'm like, well, do you want to go out and work in the field? He's like, no, it sounds like it's too chaotic. He says, it's, it's too random. You have to drive different places every day. You're in the cold, you're in the weather. He goes, I'm in the shop. I drive to the same spot. I do, you know, I do a couple different things in the shop. I can, you know, rotate through. He goes, I know where I'm going to be. I, I got a place to sit and eat lunch. If I go to the restroom, I got a restroom right there. I mean, there's so many benefits. So why not bring the construction industry as a whole more into that mold where you get a lot more people to say, you know, I'll go work construction if it's more manufacturing. Yeah. You know, I agree. I agree. Well, how do people connect with you and find out more information on what you're doing? So I'm at Chip Parsley at PointerInc.com. Um, the website is www.pointersheetmetal.com. And um, in the beginning, sheet HVAC, I mean, in the beginning, Pointer was an HVAC company. Um, and so what we've got our start in is we went from HVAC ductwork to industrial ductwork 
to then we started stepping out and doing platforms and started doing um, specialty work handrails and so it's almost been an evolution of we've been manufacturers all our lives you know for the last 20 years and so the next step we believe is to manufacture more whole products more components so that's why we kind of stepped out and decided to look at into the bathroom modules the um labs modules anything of that nature because we're manufacturers at heart that's what we do we do have a contracting side obviously in the sheet metal industry and we and we you know where we have 500 people that work for us and i think it's probably about 100 in the shop so we're looking to grow the shop we're looking to grow the manufacturing side and we believe the next place to do that is in some kind of modular manufacturing and so um that's where you can find me i'm on linkedin um chip parsley director of pointer uh, prefabrication solutions and so i love to connect with anybody who loves to talk i i'm a as you can see i i like to talk and i can talk <laughs> that's great well final question for you what does innovation mean to you so innovation is um you know it's 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 not necessarily finding um brand new things it's taking those things that you already have and figuring out new and different ways to use those things. And then mm -hmm. the innovation comes in, in the application. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's taking products you already have and saying, Hey, you know, we can, we can apply this here. And then, Hey, if we add this component to it, Hey, look what, look what we did. We created something all brand new. So it's not necessarily, you don't have to start from scratch. Um, innovation is taking what you already have and adding to it, making it a little better. Um, mm -hmm. That's how we've always always done. I mean, let's face it, you know, with cars, it's been an evolution, you know, hey, what if we put suspension on that was softer? Hey, what if we power steering instead of this manual steering, right? It's, hey, how about if we do an automatic transmission rather than a you know, manual transmission, it's still a transmission, but let's automate it. So yeah. it's, you know, and it's also within the industry, um, figuring out how to, in within the shop, uh, automate more, right? How do we automate? How can we get this process to where, you know, we don't need 10 people uh, doing this. We only need two and we have a machine doing the heavy lifting because um, that's the one thing with construction and manufacturing, both of those products, there's a lot of repetitive things done and a human body, if done, you know, like that all the time, wears out. So mm -hmm. it's better for, it's better for a machine to do it because a person, you'll have to change them out. They're just going to wear out. And plus they'll get bored. It'll become monotonous and then they'll get un, 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 uninspired and unengaged. Machine doesn't do that. So it's also looking for those opportunities to innovate within the uh, within the manufacturing, within the shop. Right. Well, the human is is great at the creative problem solving aspect of it and thinking kind of outside the box that obviously the, can, the computer just thinks of the parameters that you assign it. You um, cannot um, you cannot disconnect the human element um, from the world of construction because those, those are the innovators. And the innovators are the people that are sitting on the, on the job or uh, in the, on the manufacturing floor, watching the process over and over again, going, man, if we make that change. And so it's important to you know, go talk to the people that are doing the work, say, man, what, what would that make that easier? What would make it easier for you to do, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, Chip, thanks so much for coming on the show and, and talking. I know we're just yeah. kind of skimming the surface here. There's so much more oh, great man. areas that we could dive down. We'll have to have you come back one day. Well, hey, Todd, thanks so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Love to talk about modular manufacturing and, 
And so anything you guys want to talk about or some more, just uh, reach out. We'd love to engage. And now it's time for my top takes from this episode. First take, we all need to be aware of our presuppositions about things and regularly take time to make sure they are still accurate. With that in mind, be patient with others and take time to educate them on the realities of the industry. Second take, help spread the word on innovative trends happening like modular to show these trends are practical and actively happening now. Final take, take time to reimagine what it means to be productive and learn from those outside the industry like manufacturing. We can pull valuable, hard learned insights into construction. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2022.